Greetings player and grand welcome to Gamify Your Life where you learn how to think gamefully and accomplish your goals in an extremely fun and enticing way. Converting your goals into a fun-filled adventure. Now, today we have a very special guest. He's Nick Kellett. He's the founder of Deckable. And Deckable is basically audible for card decks. Isn't that interesting? Basically, you have music, books, videos, and movies all have been successfully digitized, but not card decks. Not yet, at least. Now, and Deckable is an incredible app that's going to come out really soon. So let's get to know his fascinating journey and the journey of Deckable. Let's welcome Nick Kellett. Start again. Hi. Right. Hello. <laughs> Hello there. Hello there, Nick. Uh, first of all, yeah. thank you very much for uh, being on my podcast. It's called Gamify Your Life. The intention of creating the, this podcast is to uh, bring together creative people and to help life turn into a gamified experience, basically, uh, in the sense that there, you've heard of the old adage, life is a play. But if life is a play, you got to be the player. So, uh, and uh, yeah. this is a place where we share ideas of what could be done to have, to fuel joy and enticement to the things that you're doing in your real life. Well, so thank you very much for joining me to my uh, podcast episode, Game for Your Life. You're a very special guest because Deckable is special uh, to many people and it's going to alter the due course of uh, how people interact and understand and educate themselves with diverse topics because deck of cards are a means to ease the learning curve and uh, deepen the understanding and increase the chances of completing something that you've started because book is something uh, that people only less than 7% of people who purchase the book actually finish it. But when if it's a deck of cards, you're more likely to just skim through them at your convenience that you don't have to have a, a scheduled time for that. And you could, there's a very high chances that within no time, you could finish the entire deck and you could grasp most of it and you're, you could have higher retention. So before we get into the creation of Deckable, uh, please let me know to our audience who are interested uh, and who would like to know about who Nick is. And mm. what does he stand for? Well, you know, it's been a long, it's a long journey to get to this point, but games have run through my veins like a young teenager. I mean, I, I've always invented things, right? Always. And I never really thought it was that special because it was all I did, right? But I, when I, you grow up and realize other people don't do these things, you think, oh, isn't that strange? Um, <laughs> and I used to basically start, I remember my best friend, Mark, we played a lot of games we played a lot of Monopoly, but we kind of got bored. So we kind of made our own bigger Monopoly and our own, every, anything we played, we made our own version of it, right? Right. And it just started there. Like, I don't know. I can remember creating, we had a cassette recorder. We made all these silly adverts. Like, I don't know why we made them. Mm -hmm. We're just like putting on voices and pretending. And this is a, you know, this is media in 19... 80s, whatever it was, right? It was, pretty, it was a long time ago and there was not right. much technology, but we used a cassette recorder to play with it, right? right. I don't know. And then, right. like, 
it comes to going to university. By the time I'd gone to university, I'd already, um, I had an, a folder this thick of rejection letters from all the game publishers who I'd written to for, for the for games I'd invented. And I actually had been and sat with Milton Bradley Games in, in the UK, in their head office in the UK. And I tried to pitch them some games I'd invented, but I also tried to sell them Connect Four as a computer game. Right. And they said to me, and this is priceless, you cannot make this shit up. They right. said to me, we don't think there was a market for computer games. Okay. <laughs> okay, that right? sounds... So like, that is the innovators, classic innovators dilemma. It's like, oh, there's no need for this. So what, like IBM said, we think we only sell five personal computers, like, or something crazy like that, right? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, that I didn't... I didn't bat an eyelid at that. I just laughed and just carried on, right? I mean, it, I had made this amazing computer game that would beat you at Connect Four. Mm-hmm. And okay, so a nice try, no cigar. I didn't go anywhere. But I kept going with my board games and I, I, I moved into tech mm-hmm. pretty early and, um, and started inventing software and then and did various things in that space that were kind of innovative. Um, but didn't really, didn't even realize it was an industry or there was a thing, right? I mean, if I'd have understood it, I'd have probably packed my suitcase and headed to Seattle and joined Microsoft, right? Right. <laughs> but I didn't. I was just doing what I just. I had to do it. it. Was in me, like to make to invent these things and then sell these things to people, right? I don't know why that's a thing too, but it has to be. If you come up with stuff that no one understands, you have to get into selling. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. But, but I always get a rush out of that. Like it's fun. I love. I have. I have jumped industries so many times in my life mm-hmm. and, and I look at other people who haven't and I think they're probably way better off but the fulfillment. Like I love jumping from into an industry that I know nobody, find a problem that no one solved, ignore all the rules the industry follows and then take that idea to market. Right? And, I, and I've done that multiple times. I've done it in business intelligence. I did it with my board game. Um, I joined uh, Listly as co-founder. We did the same there. And now with Deckable, it's Deckable is a Deckable should have been done by somebody, but it wasn't. So right. here we are doing it right and doing it right because people have tried. But I don't know. That's I don't see like I I, I have a brain that is like I don't because I don't know what your brain does right because yours I can't get inside your head. But my brain sees everything as connected. If someone tells me something, I see connections, I visualize mm-hmm. products, I, ideas. My problem is I have to actually throw away 90% of that because it's garbage. I think a lot of people don't see those connections, so they don't, they don't have to deal with that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't change this for anything because it's, it's wonderful, but I've, I've actually got better at understanding my own quirkiness as, through time. Absolutely, and, and you believed in that, and, and you believed in that. So there... When you faced these challenges of uh, rejections at that age, and you said you had a huge pile of rejections, right? Yeah. What was the how? How did you make? How did it make you feel? And what what in you built that resilience to protrude through the noise? To uh, <laughs> I I don't know. I think that's getting into parental uh, upbringing oh, and some it? weirdnesses of my childhood. Um, I, I, yeah, there was a lot of rejection in my childhood. I'm laughing about this now. But there was a lot of that. And so I just I just became bullet. I guess I, I didn't even know because I didn't know anybody else's family, right? So right. 
Um, so I just became bulletproof to living in my own world and creating my own reality and, and believing that I could create these things, right? Incredible. Which I've just persisted to do. And now you grow up and you begin to learn. Like if you think when I grew up, there were no books on this topic of personal growth, personal awareness, the, right. you know, resilience was not a thing, right? You can go buy 27 books on resilience right now. Right. And 100 podcasts. And I don't know, I just, you, we didn't have any of that, right? And wasn't it really until you know, Amazon came along and made books ubiquitous that people began to read more. The number of books exploded. Right. And I'm a huge Audible fan, right? So I, I, I have 600 Audible books on, and I read you know, a lot and a lot of business books. And, and I, I forced myself to insert like creative novels in there. Otherwise right. I would just be kind of gorging on knowledge, right? But that really transformed me to have that access to all of that information and it, and like you're blissfully unaware of what you're not get, what you're not getting until Absolutely. you get it right? i didn't feel i didn't feel a lack before that arrived right but once it arrived and then i be, because i kind of believe on the idea of standing on the shoulders of giants mm -hmm. reading books is like standing on the shoulders of giants you can Absolutely. take that absolutely keith ferrazzi's book and da -da -da, and these things and just pile them all together and then you have your own ideas like mm -hmm. to me as a connective my brain is connective right right so i read five books and i come up with a dozen ideas because i connect the thoughts between different books right it's, it's interesting just, that you say that because uh, uh seeing the connections in your mind uh is is an incredible and important aspect of creativity and that's that's where your new ideas flourish and you chunk out the new ideas and kind of really steer your way through what works and what doesn't. And mm. that, so how did that build, help you build your business acumen? And what do you suggest our listeners uh, the importance of well, uh, creativity and innovation? And I love, I love Brené Brown. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a particular thing that she talks about, uh, which is, a, I think it's a Rosalind Franklin, uh, Franklin Roosevelt quote. Right. Which is basically about getting bloody in the arena. Like I get driven crazy by people who sit on the sidelines mm -hmm. and pass comment about what will and won't work. It's like, shut the fuck up, get in the game, get bloody. Right. That's the only place you're going to learn. Those opinions you have on the sideline, freaking useless, waste of time. Don't even bother, you know, play the game. Then right. tell me how to play the game. Don't tell me how to play the game without playing. Right. And so, I love it when I, I, I choose who I listen to, right? Based on, do they play the game? Right. right? And that was the other thing I got from Brenny Brown. She says, she has a postage stamp this big in her wallet. Uh -huh. And she says this on here, I write the names of the people whose opinions I listen to. Because if you listen to everyone's opinion, opinions, you would be a mess, right? Like, you know, board game geek. Yes. I, like I would I assume you did, right? So on board game geek, Anyone who doesn't know Board Game Geek knows it is an incredibly aggressive environment, right? I mean, they are board game lovers, but holy shit, will they kick your ass, right? Yes. But anything and everything, right? Yeah, they have a opinion about everything. Right. And they're aggressive. They mm -hmm. don't hold back, right? So mm -hmm. I published my board game 
And I was like, oh, put it all up on Board Game Geek. It was all up there. Thousands of people have bought it, right? On at, who on Board Game Geek? I mean, hundred thousand mm-hmm. people bought my game worldwide, but Whoa. thousands of people on Board Game Geek, right? And what do you do when that comes on? You start reading the reviews, and someone wrote a review and gave me like, I don't, think, I think it was a one. I don't think you can actually give a zero for a game. And I had, and I started off with some really high scores, right? like sevens and eights and they're like no fucking way you're having those scores buddy Absolutely. we're gonna like we're taking you down because that those high scores are preserved for the serious heavy duty gamers and you're not allowed those yes. it was pretty funny right we yeah. haven't heard about you and we haven't heard about your game and it can't and, and so this guy wrote a review gave me a one and this is why i've learned this lesson is like don't give a shit about it why am i even telling this story i'm telling this story about don't listen to this guy and, and the but it, it it took me a while to get past this he read this is scarcely a game mm-hmm. right. i was like i felt like saying and this is scarcely a review but i didn't i rose above it but it's funny so to that guy thank you whoever you are wherever you wrote that you could probably go find him still um it it, it was fascinating and brutal because here i was like this was the most public I'd ever been with any product I've ever invented. Absolutely. And, and the audience, if you understand them, they're just aggressive. Right. Like, they're way more aggressive. You don't get, you don't get that stuff on uh, Amazon reviews, right? True. And, then, and they're not even the target audience, honestly. They're, uh, no. <laughs> they're, they're, we expect to get some constructive feedback and that, that's not, it's not even critical. It's just like being bullyish. So uh, that's, that's interesting that you say that now. How let's talk about Deckable and uh, why people should use Deckable. Oh, wow. Well, um, I'm going to tell you my journey to get to this point um, because I honestly did not realize how big decks were. And and I think anyone listening to this right now probably has no clue. Let me tell you, decks are freaking huge. And my journey to get there was I was basically building – I'm kind sorry of to interrupt. Uh, just, just, yeah. just curious. Do you, do you have the deck of? Um, oh, with the, with the, uh, the uh, all the different the deck art, the art of uh, game design book of lenses. There's, a, there's yes, a, I do. A deck I of do. cards. Yes. Of all the, uh, do you have that deck? I love that deck. I, 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 I do. I do have it. I have it as an app. And yep. I even I reached out to Jess, Jesse Shell about it as well. Fantastic. It, it, Tell me about I, it. it. Well, he's not, he's not on Deckable yet. Let me tell you, I think he will be. Um, he should I, be. Well, he will, but he has a, his app. I, I don't want to be. His app is a beautiful showcase, but it's really not that fun and gamified. And I don't want to get into like knocking his thing because his, his books are awesome. His content is awesome. Really? The, the actual card deck is great. I just don't think the app, the app experience is a little dated now, right? It's just, right. he made that app a long time ago. They've updated a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, basically what I plan to do is just upload a version of it from, from Deckable and then send it to him, right? Because he was busy. He was like deflective. People are always busy and deflective because not everyone's an early adopter, right? We all choose what we adopt. We have, we have so much attention and we have to like focus, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's, um, but yeah, Jesse Shaw will be cool to have on on the platform. He's a very open guy, actually. He's very approachable. You can you can hit his inbox and he'll he'll reply just about to most things. I think he might. He's not going to say yes to everything, but he's yep. very approachable. Right. Yep. Anyway, so my journey here was I basically was building um, or exploring trying to find 
something in the self-help space. It was like personal mm-hmm. growth related. And, and, a, and a friend of mine had, had had this idea and we kind of, she was, she has all this content because she's been doing this for years and years. And she wanted to package up this content. And, and I looked at Kajabi and Thinkific and Teachable and I was deeply disgruntled by the, the experience of using those. Like, I mean, you started off by lear- talking about learning on the way in here, right? And I, I kind of think of those platforms and not, and not that actually we're trying to compete with them, but they're really old school. They're really like teacher on stage talking down to the student. It's just a digital version of what was. Version of what was, yes, absolutely. Right? So yeah, so there's, there's, still, much- there's still a one-to-many uh, methodology adapted. Right. And your average student today wants to talk to his peers, talk to everyone, talk to the lecture, participate, do things. We all learn in different ways. Some of us learn by reading, some learn by listening, some learn by writing, some learn by moving and getting around, some learn by debating. None of these are right. But when it comes to like corporate training, they're like, let's just ship you a course. Let me ship, like like my pet hate in this space. I'm just going to launch into this right now. My pet hate in this space is is the the super ironic workbook. Workbook is a PDF full of things you're supposed to do. And I got to tell you, workbooks don't work. No one ever uses those workbooks. If if you've used a workbook (laughs) on your on your computer phone, you deserve a, deserve a medal for, for persistence or something because the experience is horrible. A PDF yes. is not a fun place to be. Even interactive PDFs? They're the same thing. Uh, you know, yeah. There's still a PDF, right? Yes. It's, it's lipstick. It's still a pig underneath with a bit of lipstick on top, but it's not right. a fun experience. It's not <laughs> right. interactive. Absolutely, right? absolutely. And whereas we take that workbook and put it into Deckable, mm-hmm. holy... Now, that is a transformative experience because then it's fun, it's engaging, you don't lose the shit that you've typed in, you can return to it, add to it, extend it, it's always in your pocket. Right. That, that PDF is best sat on your desktop and you never, you never go anywhere with that, right? So, right? so I started down this path of looking at all these tools and felt super frustrated and I wanted something much more engaging and, and we came up with this metaphor of an exercise machine mm-hmm. for the soul, right? How to put your put your personal growth through its paces through these exercises, and that was a three year journey. And in that three year journey, the last I don't know eight to ten months, card decks came into it, and right. I began to integrate card decks into this experience because I was mm-hmm. curious. I mean, swiping on Tinder is just a card deck, right? I mean, the whole True. internet. The, the whole internet is designed as a card deck as a metaphor. If you go Google card deck as a the UX metaphor, there's a ton of amazing blog posts that teach you and you make you realize that the web is designed as a series of cards. Yes, and, right? so are, and so is pitch deck, right? If you're pitching for right. an investor, right? Uh, it's, it's a business proposal. They're not interested in reading your 30-page proposal. No, nope. nobody is interested to read 30-page proposals, actually. No, and that's the thing is we're, we're like still trying to teach based on the old model, whereas everyone else is like Instagram and Tinder and go swipe, 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 next. Okay, did I learn something? Was it fun? Right. And if the answer I mean, look is at no. Instagram carousals, right? They're, they're incredible. Right. Yeah. So um, basically, this was the journey that, that basically cards became bigger and bigger, right? And this app became bigger and bigger. And there were some amazing things built into this app. And I, but it basically just never felt complete or finished to me. And it certainly wasn't beautiful. And I was like, I was getting frustrated because I wasn't making it to the finishing line, right? And I wanted this product. I was like, there's something cool in here. I need to get this out. And I went and hired a user experience team. 
to look at it and give me some, you know, basically I was like, can you turn this into Cinderella? Like beautiful, just make this pumpkin beautiful. Like just right. do this thing for me, right? And and then that that was a uh, defining decisive moment for Decable. In fact, hiring a, a UI design team to give their constructive feedback and uh, and take that take that product and turn it into something beautiful. That is a wonderful decision that you've taken. It was I I believe in the metaphor of opening doors, right? And and how many doors in your life have you not opened? I mean, that's another hour long conversation. But that moment, I didn't because I could have hired a different UX team. Right. But I didn't. I, I hired a had a UX team referred to me very highly recommended from a friend who's used this same team in three of his startups, right? Mm-hmm. And they presented back to me. And you you've heard that old adage like you go hire a consultant and they give you a watch and they tell you the time, right? Mm-hmm. That's a very standard thing. It's basically you, when you hire a coach or a consultant, you often get given back what you already know, right? Right. Precisely. Not if you hire, not if you hire a good one. Well, these guys, holy shit, do they go out on a limb. And when they presented to me, I wasn't expecting this. They said, we think you should throw this all away. Okay. And you should, because you're most passionate about card decks at this point, which was true. Mm-hmm. I had become very passionate. I had a sizable collection of card decks and was buying more and more card decks you know, every week, I guess. Mm-hmm. And they said to me, because you're so passionate about card decks, you need to drop what you're doing and choose card decks as the metaphor, mm-hmm. not exercise machine. Card decks is a metaphor and focus on just that and throw the rest of it away. Well, I would, if they'd just done that, I wouldn't have gone very far. But what they showed me mm-hmm. was this stunningly beautiful, simplified mock-up. Mm-hmm. They did it in XD, right? It was beautiful. And I was like, oh shit. Like I felt like being physically <laughs> sick at that moment. Like okay. I was glad, I was glad that I'd opened this door. Right. Now, uh-huh. like, I couldn't go back to my prior project, which was this ugly, sprawling, you know, thing that just yeah, and yeah, and your and your and your beautiful creative bubble got popped. <laughs> it did, and then basically, so then we had this conversation, and I was like, "What's it going to? How many days is this to build?" And they they came up with a number which was ridiculously low, and I don't I, I, even if they if they hear me say that. You know, it's cool. I'm not resistant to that. It was a ridiculously low number. I'm not even going to tell you what the number was. But they said, we think we can build something in this kind of time frame. I was like, okay. And then I'm like, well, that fucks it because I can't not do that, right? Right. I can't, like, I can go back to this ugly thing or for only this amount of time and effort, I can have this. Well, so I proceeded, but I also that point i decided because i built this whole thing myself at this point right right it's not my greatest skill my, my good skill is 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 biz dev marketing creativity ideation networking right. putting all this stuff together right but i i love to prototype because it, it allows my creative energies to like shape the thing right it's a wonderful right. skill to be able Absolutely. to do work, right Absolutely. and then recognize and if i look back at other projects my set analyzer project i the set project, I built it to a certain point and then I hired, well, I basically found a co-founder and then Louis, Louis was my business partner and we built the thing, right? When I when I created um, Gift Trap, not Gift Trap, yeah, the board game, 
I had these amazing, you know, handmade prototypes that were ugly mm-hmm. as sin. And then we mm-hmm. hired an amazing design team to help me brand it, create it. So like, there's a really cool process of being able to ideate yourself because you can mess up cheaply, right? Right. So that, so then I was like, then I felt comfort because, okay, this is an important idea. I've, I'm following a pattern that I've followed in my prior successes in life. So I was like, this makes sense, right? Absolutely. These guys, these guys started to build it. I, I shifted to validation and I began to reach out to card deck creators because this was a different play than the one I was working on before. I needed hundreds of card decks mm-hmm. on this platform. So where are the card deck creators going to actually, you know, give me their card decks and their content for us to sell on Deckable, right? Certainly. certainly. We, didn't even, we, didn't, we didn't have a name at that time. Oh my God, we've gone through so many names with Deckable. It's kind of freaky and scary. Um, I'm really happy with the one we've landed with. It's an amazing name. Yeah, it's simple. <laughs> and uh, uh, what's interesting about it is uh, it's easier to uh, just tap into and start using it right off the bat you i mean there is literally no learning curve right and there's layered right. uh, it's it's layered it's like the more you use it the more uh, little pieces and chunks of interface uh, uh, things that you learn and you get used to it right. and uh, and it's like subconsciously will will, uh, will condition you to get into the flow of using it and that's the beauty of deckable right for for what i've seen so oh yeah, yeah. totally and so, then you know, go ahead sorry, sorry run hold on Okay, so uh, for our listeners, so we've spoken about what it took to create Deckable and why you should use Deckable. Now, as a as a content creator, right? As a uh, if you're a coach, consultant, expert, or business, or, or an entrepreneur, or an author, why should you be on Deckable? And uh, what's uh, how could you scale up your business using Deckable? How could you leverage Deckable? Right. Well, we, we got segued before when we were talking about why, why decks are big. And literally, there are, by our estimate, 20 different, cate- 20 different huge categories that, that, that kind of make up the whole deck space, right? right? So you mentioned coaching cards. There's flashcards. There's strengths, values, and emotions. There's um, tarot and oracle decks. There's you know, books as decks as a category, right? There's just so many categories, right? There's fitness decks. There's uh, psychology and therapy decks just goes on and on, right? So let's just drill into books as a deck. Books as decks as a category, right? Mm-hmm. I can I can cite to you some very famous books that are available as a deck, right? So um, you've the Seven Habits of Effective People as a deck, right? As a deck. So would you rather would you rather read the book mm-hmm. or skim through the deck? You know, Skip through the deck, right? Shuffle it, pick a card a day, learn from it, ran, allow randomness to, to, to intercept, right? Really? I know what the answer, the right answer would be is pick a deck, right? Because a lot of, I tell you the problem with publishing mm-hmm. is your publisher. Publisher says, we need 60,000 words. And you're like, I've got this little idea. It's about 10,000 words. And the publishers make you inflate it to 60,000 words to create a full book. Right. And then you start reading it and you're going, well, I've got the gist of this. And that's why Blinkist and other book summary services exist, right? You know, you know Blinkist? Yes. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah, it's interesting. So basically they, they can condense a book down to 15 minutes, right? 15 minutes, correct. They, they get the highlights and summary of the book. Right. So that is a deck, right? Is, is the book in 15 minutes. And, but I can interrupt my day with a little learning nugget from each book, right? 
thought of the day from that book, distilled direct from the author, and it's in my pocket. It's it's never left at home. And this is a great thing, right? But I'm not going to carry this with me everywhere. But I never leave home without this bad boy, right? Yes, the the cell phone. Yes, absolutely. And, and it's, it's, it's it's user friendly. It's uh, intuitive. It's captivating, and not just that. And these are the days and times of micro learning, right? And uh, be it uh, so, be it Instagram. If you're willing to go to Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, you're looking for a little bite-sized value additions that you could take over a sip of coffee uh, that right. could that you could in, in immediately learn, understand, reflect, and implement, especially when it comes to tips uh, and right. tricks. So, and, and they get more engagement. And that's, uh, that's where a, a significant right. part of what Deckable is doing. Right. And you can do that on Instagram, but you, you, you try mm-hmm. and stay focused on the quality content on Instagram. You ain't going to manage it. <laughs> Talk to right? me about it. You're like, you're like, uh, it's I'm just everywhere. Gonna like, I'm going to balance my way across this beam and focus. No, you're not. You're going to get distracted. And you're going to fall off. Right. Yes. absolutely. And so the difference is if I, if I think about every app you use on your phone right now, and this is, this is, this is scary to think about how transformative Deckable is. Like it's like kind of amazing to me. But mm-hmm. you use Instagram. What are you doing? You're going like this, right, and right. like this, right. and then yeah, vertically. Uh, yeah, ver- vertically and, and horizontally. You swipe little, up, swipe little down, tap, and, and if you really tap. like something, you might write. So you that's double tap. Cool. Yeah. Little little comment. That's cool, right? And how effective is that? of your use of your your time why are you using that app at that point because it's your spare moment you're on a bus you're on a train you're in a waiting room you're waiting for someone right somewhere and you're using your phone and you're and filling up your to, to add to right? that uh, nick it's it, it's not just about uh, uh wailing away your time it's it, or the in the brief moments of your daily routine instagram or or any social media platform as a consumer you we will be surprised if you open the app stats, how, what's the average time that we invest in that particular app or, right. or, or, or in a series right. of apps, especially social media apps. And what's the percentage of value addition that we got from that time? I mean, uh, right. let's say you, you put an average of like three hours per week, and that's a lot of time, three hours right. per week for, for an app. Uh, most of it, like 99% of it is just like mindless scrolling and it's just uh, instantaneous gratification, primarily because our attention span is less than seven seconds. And there's nothing that can captivate uh, attention span more than uh, instant videos. And, uh, and, and, and so how, so, and Deckable breaks that in a, in a very positive way. If you invest three hours on Deckable per week, tell me, tell us what kind of impact you could create in your life. Well, there's a, there's a little thing that happens on Deckable. Right. It happens, and, it, and like, I'm going to draw a parallel to my board game, okay? Mm-hmm. My board game was a conversation starter game, and I played a lot of really awful conversation games that say, tell me this, say that, and right. that puts you on the spot, doesn't work. The most effective conversation games are games where people start a conversation because of the experience that the game creates, right? And, and, and Deckable is just the same. 
Deckable creates the experience. It doesn't say focus. It doesn't say don't get distracted. It doesn't say stay with your breath, right? All those things that we resist, it just draws you in. Because when you're pinching and zooming, choosing, flipping, you're absolutely in the moment. You're not somewhere else, right? Yes, this you're little in the floor. task, that you're right in the floor, right? You're right in the floor. And, and, and you, wouldn't, you wouldn't be on a particular deck if it didn't interest you. So we've already got a, a content fit, but the experience is when you've picked a card or you're arranging cards or you're making choices or prioritizing, which you can do visually, right? You can make this thing bigger, this thing like smaller, put them in sequence. Those are decisions. You're sitting with that in that moment doing exactly that, right? And that is the transformative thing for me about what Deckable brings. And I didn't realize it. I didn't design. It wasn't my design goal. True. When I created my game, I didn't realize it was going to create magical conversations. Mm -hmm. But my job as the designer of the experience was to coax that out of the of what was created, right? right. And I know I, I understood after I'd made Gift Trap that that was the case. And in this point, I understand with with Deckable, mm -hmm. we've created something that is the blessed magical thing. Is that because what we do on the phone is this, right? right. Deckable, you're like, right, right, right. You, you're, you're, you're actually creating something in that moment, right? You are participating. You are so it engaging. reflects your thoughts. So, cool. so whatever right. you want to do, uh, you, could, right. you could leverage whatever you want to do, be, be it shuffling the cards or uh, prioritizing them, adding them randomness or uh, zooming in. Journaling. Uh, right. Yeah, journaling. Then that's, that's interesting about it. In fact, um, I, it's going to go places Nick, it's uh, it's just in terms of its visibility and in terms of its uh, user retention and um, uh, the the user acquisition, it's going to go places. So I wish all the success for Deckable. Honestly, thank you very much for your time sure. and uh, spending your time uh, to add tons of value through your creativity and um, innovation for Deckable. And uh, for all those listeners, is there any way that they could uh, connect with you uh, to be a part of Deckable, to add uh, content to Deckable? It, yeah. I mean, at this point, we're not launched yet. We're close. We, yes. have, we have an amazing, collection, amazing yeah. collection of decks, right? But we're weeks away from launching. Right. And, but we still have time to upload your deck, right? So if you have a deck, you can come to Deckable. It's totally self-service. Mm -hmm. You can upload it yourself, um, or, or you can. You can. We, we're also letting people send us artwork, and we're uploading it for people too, right? But, but it is a self-service platform, so you can still participate in the launch, and even just after launch, like there's a credible thing, incredible thing called first mover advantage. It's best to be right. The best day to be on Kindle was day one, right? Right, right. The, you're, you know, the, on Audible, any of these platforms, being an early user is is a, is a huge advantage. And if you have multiple decks on a platform, multiple books, there's a body of work thing. If you have multiple pieces of content, you're going to drive and attract more attention. So True. that's something to really move and get forward and get, get on, on board with Deckable. And there's, there's a bunch of webinars out there on our website. You can sign up, you can book a slot, we can share the webinars with you. Um, so it's easy to get going with Deckable if you've already got a deck. If you haven't, but you have content, 
to turn your content into a deck is not a challenging thing either. It's, absolutely, it's just, absolutely. It's not. It's uh, not. So uh, thank you very much, Nick. Uh, it's uh, going to be amazing, right? I totally loved the way uh, Deckable looks and feels. I can't get, I can't wait to put my deck, Questica, uh, to help people achieve their goals into Deckable. And I can't wait to use the decks that are created by others. And thanks very much for your time. And uh, pleasure. Uh, thanks will, for the invite. Pleasure. Pleasure is totally mine. And thank you very much. And you have a phenomenal day ahead. Awesome. Yeah, you too. Cheers. Thanks a lot.